We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the topic is freedom. Human freedom. Is human freedom, is human liberty a first thing? Is it a priority or is it a second thing? Should it be subservient to safety? I'll answer this and more on today's Rebellion. How many of you remember that show, that movie, that Academy Award-winning movie? Back in 1965-66, I believe, it was a story of Elsa the lion who had been raised from a cub by a couple in Africa, a British couple, and they decided that Elsa the lion was born to be free. So the movie, the book, is about the decision to release her into the wild, to give her the training necessary to survive, but to release her in the wild and allow her to be what she was intended to be, rather than make her safe the rest of her life and put her in a zoo. It was a decision to release her and let Elsa be free. This is Andy Williams. This is the classic rendition of the song, Born Free. I want you to think of this song. I want you to think of this movie. I want you to think of this novel, this Academy Award winning performance of what it means to be free and the priority of freedom. I want you to think of all of this in today's show as I discuss a couple scenarios in the recent news. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. For those of you who are new listeners, and perhaps even for some of you who have been around a while and consider yourself routine, remember that if you would like to subscribe to The Rebellion, I obviously encourage you to do so. 
You can go to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper to become a member of the Rebellion. That's patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. Don't forget my new book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe But It's Good, and also the prequel to that, my national bestseller, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. And you can purchase either of those books on any online bookstore, such as Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble or whatever online bookstore you use to secure and purchase your reading material. And don't forget that I write weekly for the Washington Times. My columns come out on every Sunday afternoon or evening. So back to today's show, freedom. Again, as I'm talking, I want you to remember that song by Andy Williams. And even if you're younger, I hope you've heard that song. If you haven't, you need to go do a Google search on Born Free, the novel, the movie, and then the song. Listen to the entire song. Consider the lyrics. And then think about this. Think about the fact that in the mid-1960s, late 1960s, this was almost an indisputable priority. This movie caught the nation's attention. It caught the world's attention because it was a story of freedom and how, frankly, it's better to wrestle and try to survive in the wild than to be confined in a cage where you're forced to be safe, but yet sacrifice the dignity and the identity of your very creation. That's the story of Born Free. Again, keep thinking of that song while I talk. You know, I shared with you last week this story, but I'm going to flesh it out a little bit more right now. It was a story where I posted, oh, around, I think, August 29th, an article by Jeffrey A. Tucker, who was writing for the Brownstone Institute, and the article was titled, The World Health Organization Oversold the Vaccine and Deprecated Natural Immunity. One more time, I already talked about this article, but I'm going to give you more to consider today with regard to the question of human freedom and this story and how someone reacted to this story when I posted it on Facebook. Again, it was a story by Jeffrey A. Tucker, who was writing for the Brown Institute, and the story is titled, The World Health Organization Oversold the Vaccine and Deprecated Natural Immunity. Well, when I posted about this article in social media, on Facebook and Parler and MeWe and the various different platforms that I use, well, again, when I posted this, when I posted this article by Jeffrey A. Tucker, I pointed out in my social media that there were some irrefutable facts from Tucker's article. Facts such as how up until the rise of Anthony Fauci to near godlike status, it was commonly accepted science that, this is a quote from Tucker, vaccines and natural exposure were regarded as partners in disease mitigation, close quote. But that today, for some strange reason, the CDC, the WHO, the NIH, uh, Big Pharma, and all of their complicit lemmings in the mainstream media 
are now portraying vaccination and natural immunity as somehow being in competition with one another. Remember how I described that last week? How now rather than natural immunity and vaccinations being partners together on the same team, headed toward the same goal line, with the same ball in hand, now somehow we're competitors. Vaccination and natural immunity are competitors fighting against one another, and that this has not happened before. Tucker's pointing out the fact that this is a new idea, a new discussion, and it's rather peculiar. In fact, I highlighted Tucker's contention that the most extensive studies done yet comparing COVID vaccines to natural infection demonstrate this, that natural immunity is more powerful in preventing infection than any regimen, any regimen of vaccines. I want to say that again. The point of Tucker's article is that natural immunity is more powerful in prevention, in the prevention of infection than any regimen of vaccines. And Tucker says this, this is a quote, a truism that would have surprised no one 50 years ago. In other words, this is longstanding science, people. Vaccines, yes, they have value, but natural immunity is more powerful. It's a curse when you get sick, but if you survive the sickness, the immunity that your body builds up is actually the most powerful thing to protect you from the disease in the future. Also, when I posted this article, I reiterated Tucker's point. Tucker's point that COVID-19 is a textbook case of how the immune system scales natural immunity to take on the newest pathogens that always have and always will vex the world, unquote. And then he goes on and says this, and that vaccines will necessarily be more hit and miss simply because of the pace of mutation and the emergence of variants, close quote. So again, this article is making the point that natural immunity is good and it's the most powerful God-given way that we human beings can withstand infections. Again, not anti-vaxxing, but they're not going to be as effective as natural immunity. They're not vaccinations and natural immunity are not in competition with one another. It's not one or the other. It's both. That's the point of Tucker's column. Okay, let me go on. Now, also when I posted this on social media, I applauded Tucker's citation of the recent Israeli study that indicates that it's good news, this is a quote, for patients who already successfully battled COVID-19, but research shows that the challenge of relying exclusively on immunizations to move past the pandemic is really high, okay? The challenge is astronomical if we're just going to rely on immunizations. Back to the quote from the Israeli study. People give both doses of the Pfizer biotech vaccine People given both doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine were almost sixfold more likely to contract a Delta infection and sevenfold more likely to have symptomatic disease 
than those who had acquired natural immunity through previous infection, close quote. That's from an an Israeli study. So basically in posting this, I was agreeing with Jeffrey Tucker's contention, okay, and that of every other thinking human being up until about five minutes ago, that when, this is a quote, you contract a virus and fight it off, your immune system encodes that information in a way that builds immunity to that virus. And that when this happens to enough people, the virus loses its pandemic quality and becomes manageable. This is what one would call virology, immunology 101. Close quote. Okay. In other words, this was accepted science up until the politicization of medicine by Anthony Fauci and the left and the rise of scientism over science. That's my language, not Tucker's. So anyway, I closed a lot of my posts on this article by saying this. I'm thankful to Jeffrey Tucker and to the Brownstone Institute for reminding us that this, quote, fascinating dynamic in cell biology is a major reason why public health became so smart in the 20th century. In the past, we kept calm. We managed viruses with medical professionals in a doctor-patient relationship, uncontaminated by the government. And therefore, we avoided the medieval tendency to run around with our hair on fire, but we rather used rationality, common sense, and intelligence. In other words, science. And then finally, I came out and said it. I said this, that those guilty of politicizing medicine, whether it be Anthony Fauci or your Uncle Bill, (laughs) I don't care who it is, if you're politicizing medicine, you're not only foolish, perhaps even criminally negligent. Because when politics gets involved, when government gets involved, people die. Because people aren't attending to the facts any longer. They're allowing people to fan the flames of your feelings. I told you last week, I've had COVID. I've had COVID. The normal T-cell count is supposed to be 0 to 50. At least that's what my doctor said. Mine's 2,450, which means I've had COVID and my body has built up a huge natural defense to the disease. As my doctor said, you're a walking vaccine yourself. Your antibodies are astronomical, your T-cells. So... In my view, it would be nothing short of asinine. You hear me? It'd be nothing short of asinine for me to submit to a vaccine that by definition has no longitudinal data to support its efficacy. I've pointed this out time and time again, and I've also pointed out that the government has no business forcing me to take a drug into my body that I don't want and I don't need. 
My body is already defending itself against this disease in a manner that study after study says is more effective and more powerful than anything that a vaccine would trick it into doing. And again, I'm not anti-vax, but I am pro-science, and science has confirmed over and over again, decade after decade after decade after decade, that natural immunity is a fact, and that's the way our bodies adjust to viruses and these diseases. And that's the way the human being fights these things off. Well, anyway, in spite of all of this, I had one reader. He's a medical doctor who responded to me. And I'm going to read his response. Here's what he said. Your right to choose what to do with your own body could be the most hypocritical and wrong-headed opinion of all. Your freedom stops at the point where you endanger someone else's life. When I get the privilege of looking upon the face of my creator, I will have countless things to be ashamed of, but costing other people their lives due to my fear and cowardice of taking a little shot is not going to be one of them, close quote. I think I shared that with you last week. Well, aside from all of the science that I already cited above through Jeffrey Tucker's article, and I don't mean to be cruel here, but perhaps I should remind my friend that viruses have existed since the dawn of time. And again, mankind has gone about his daily business for the millennia without digging a hole and going and hiding in it. Since when did simply carrying on with life become akin to murder, which is what this man is implicitly saying, that somehow if I just go about life, if I get out of my cage, if I get out of my cell, if I get out of my hole in the ground that the government apparently wants me to live in, that I'm committing murder? I mean, my, my land, there are many things, there are a lot of things, there are dozens of things that I do on a daily basis that could, hypothetically, could harm someone else, harm me or people around me. Things like riding a bicycle, driving a car, flying in a plane, cooking a burger, sailing a boat, mowing the lawn, playing soccer, playing football, skydiving, rock climbing, parasailing, wrestling with my kids, marching in a protest, maybe. I mean, the list is endless. Life isn't safe. That's the subtitle of my book, Grow Up. Life isn't safe. It's good. The only way life could be safe would be for us to confine ourselves to sanitized cubicles and never leave them. Do you hear me? The only way we can be completely safe is to confine ourselves. One more time, to confine ourselves to small little cubicles and never leave them. Does that sound like a prison cell? Does that sound like living in a zoo rather than living free? I mean, we risk disease and injury every 
stinking morning when we wake up and get out of bed. If you want safety, if you want safety, then be a goldfish, my land. Human beings aren't made to be safe. We're created to be free. One more time. We're not made to be safe. We are created to be free. Is that a first thing? Is that our priority? Or have we flipped it upside down and made safety our top priority to the extent where we're going to accuse people of murder just for going about their daily lives, going shopping, walking outside on the sidewalk, jogging with a friend, going to the theater, going camping, going hiking. Are we going to suggest that people that want the freedom to do these things, going to church, are guilty of murder? Or are we going to demand our freedom? Because it's a first thing. Over and above safety. You know, maybe the best homework assignment for my critics, maybe for the whole nation, would be for us to go back and watch this old 1960s movie, Born Free. Because the moral to the story is is this. Lions can be kept safe in a cage. Yes, that's true. They're safe. But that's not what lions are for. You know, there's dialogue in that movie between George Adamson and Joy Adamson, the husband and wife team in Kenya that are taking care of this lion and raised her from an orphan cub to an adult. Again, the lion's name was Elsa. They were at the point of trying to make a decision. Are we going to send her off to a zoo? Because she wasn't, um, she was causing trouble because of her playfulness and the fact that she was tame rather than wild. She'd go out and uh, she started a stampede of elephants, for example, by trying to play with them. And the local tribes were getting very aggravated with this tame lion. It's causing trouble, destroying their crops, etc., etc. So, as they were talking about what to do about it, George, the husband, says to Joy, I don't know what goes on in that head of yours anymore. What's wrong with putting Elsa in a zoo? What's wrong with that anyway? And Joy responds, nothing except that she won't be free. George, George's answer to Joy is, and is freedom so important? Joy says this, yes, yes, she was born free, and she has the right to live free. Why don't we live in a more comfortable setting, George? Other people do. We choose to live out here in Kenya because it represents freedom for us. Because we can breathe. George says, Joy, tell me the truth. You just don't want to give her up. 
What you're really hoping is that she can stay out here wild, but not too wild, that you can see her every now and then. And Joyce says, it's not the whole truth, but I won't deny I like the idea. It's impossible, says George. It cannot happen. Joy? Well, at least she would be free. At least she wouldn't be in a cage for the rest of her life. Even if she gets herself killed in the process, says George. And Joy says this. (sighs) Although at one time we were afraid she'd die, she did recover. And when she did, she seemed somehow different. The story here is that this line was born to be free. And that the struggle of survival makes her different. And that even if she kills herself in the process, it's worth the risk. Because the difference is that she will be a lion wrestling through that process rather than a caged animal. You know, Ronald Reagan once said this, Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States, where men were free. Ronald Reagan. And you've seen the quote of Benjamin Franklin. It's all over the place right now. It's ubiquitous. Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Close quote. Benjamin Franklin. Again, the lyrics from the song. Born free, as free as the wind blows, as free as the grass grows, born free to follow your heart, live free, and beauty surrounds you. The world still astounds you each time you look at a star. Stay free where no walls divide you. You're free as a roaring tide, so there's no need to hide. Born free, and life is worth living, but only worth living because you're born to be free. I'm going to read that last one one more time and ask yourself, is this a top priority or have we set it aside for the sake of a little temporary safety? Born free and life is worth living, but only worth living because you're born free. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.